0: You are listening to Motivating from the Six, episode 61. A man versus a real man. My fellas, you're going to want to listen to this one. And ladies, you want to listen in too. Let's go. Back to Motivating from the six. This is a podcast that is intended to change your life. It's intended to motivate you. It's intended to inspire you. It's intended to have you stand up in your circumstances and demand change for the betterment of your life. I am your host, Jeff Martin of jeffadmartin.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We got a real special episode. First and foremost, I have to thank you. For all of you who have clicked play, who have downloaded, who have subscribed, who have left a rating or review, I just want to thank you because I know that time is valuable. And if you're taking time to listen to this podcast, that means I'm adding some type of element of value in your life. And I just want to thank you for that. Because time is valuable, you can be doing so many other things, but you have decided to listen in today. So I continue to pray and hope that I am bringing value to you and all that you do. If you are listening to this while you're climbing Mount Everest, if you are walking across some hot coals, if you are chilling on the beach of Cuba, if you are in the Maldives, if you are in the mountain, if you are in Belarus, if you are in Bangladesh, I just want to thank you for listening and tuning in. Today, I got a special guest for you. I got Dr. Lawrence McNair. Now, Lawrence McNair, you gotta know, we have a real cool conversation about man, about masculinity, about the things about man versus a real man, and what is it? Is it a man, are you supposed to be a man, or are you supposed to be a real man? And we get into some real deep conversations in regards to that stuff. So I think this is a great show for men to listen to, and of course, ladies, tune in as well. We're gonna give you a bit of an insight of the way men think and the things that men are up to and today's guest gives us some of that insight. Dr. Lawrence McNair is a coach, he's a mentor and he's been empowering men for the last 40 years. He's a speaker, he's an entrepreneur and again he's a life coach who has founded a group called Moving Men Forward. He is doing some fabulous things. We have some great conversations here and I guarantee you this will not be the last time that he's on this podcast. Without further ado, let's get this party started. Here is Dr. Lawrence McNair. All right, Dr. Lawrence McNair, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, man. How about yourself?
0: Ah, uh, man, I can't complain, man. I'm thankful that you are here. And, um, you know, I want to speak about some real uh, good topics in regards to. Uh, manhood and masculinity uh, First and foremost I gotta say though as I said Dr. Lawrence McNair that's not your moniker right That's not your rap name you are actual doctor correct Yeah I actually put
1: in the uh, I actually put in the eight years of uh, you know medical school and all that stuff and uh, I am actually the real uh, the real deal
2: Yeah perfect
1: you know, you, know you, you asked me that I was in church once and I was with my pastor right? And you know how pastors now are becoming, you know, Dr. this and Dr. that. And yes. he, so he reached over at me and he said, you know what? You're really the only real doctor here in the church today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was so what? I don't want to get too far off topic, but there's something that's got to be said with a doctor who's put the time and effort in into studying, right? Whether it be medical doctor or, you know, just in terms of education. And then someone who gets an honorary doctorate, exactly, doctorate. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great achievement, but you're walking around with a doctor symbol and here you are putting the work in and you're like, no, Yo, what about me? The yeah, only thing I
1: got was honorary student loans is all I got, man. <laughs> but it's a I we, we just, yeah, we just laughed about it. It was, it was funny. <laughs> oh,
0: too funny, too funny. So. Let's get into your story in terms of who you are and what you're about. Again, we just talked about, we just joked about being a doctor, but obviously you're so much more than that. Can you kind of take me through um, the details of your story in terms of um, your beginnings and, and, and where you are now?
1: Yeah, my story um, starts uh, many years ago. I grew up in a single parent home um, in one of the poorest regions of the, of the country, the Mississippi Delta. Uh, during the uh, pretty much the civil rights time, for the most part. I grew up in a small town called Greenville. I was the youngest of five children, shared a one-bedroom home with uh, three brothers, one sister, and an off-and-on host of relatives, cousins, and uh, other relatives. Uh, graduated high school at 16, started medical school at 19, opened up my own practice at, uh, at the age of 26, got married at 27, found Jesus at 30. First child was born at 34, semi-retired at 40, had a successful second career at uh, forty-four. Um, took two exotic vacations a year at fifty, and um, here I am today. Good. That's the good part of the story. Um, the real story is this: is that um, I came from a broken home at age three. Had a broken leg at age four. Broken virginity at age age six. Broken heart at seventeen. Broken child. At age 34, broken marriage at 39, a broken um, business at 41, broken financially at 53, broken spirit at 54, and many broken relationships in between. Wow. So it sounds good, but there's two sides to every coin and two sides to every story.
0: You know, I, I love the way you broke that down because the truth is, is today, this day and age, we're all about social media and what we're showing to people, what we're showing to the world. And people are always showing the good side. Now, I'm not expecting people to be taking pictures and videos of them fighting of their spouse and then putting in and airing that on social media. But what I'm saying is you only see the good side. And the way you broke that down, you talked about the good side, but you also talked about the other side as well. And it's funny because we often see what people are posting on social media and we'll see that. And we'll be like, I wish I can have that for myself. I want that type of life. Not knowing there is a second side like you just talked about.
1: Yeah, there's there's like I said, there's always a second side to, uh, uh, you know, to every coin. And, you know, I've had some, you know, I've had some great times in my life and I've had some, you know, some rough times in my life, too. I thank God that the the good times uh, outweigh the rough times. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been under the the impression that um, all things happen for the good. Uh, You know, it's the scripture that says all things happen for the good of those who love the Lord and call according to his purpose. So I've just learned to look at the bad things are a part of, you know, part of my journey. They're just a part of who I am. So really now I don't even look at it as bad as good, bad or good. I just look at it as a part of the process. And even though, you you know, when you're baking a cake, you have to uh, you have to crack a couple of eggs. You have to crack some shells. And sometimes in life you have, you know, you become a little cracked but the good part is on the inside. When you think about baking a cake again, you mix in some flour, you mix in a pinch of salt, you mix in the cake mix and all that stuff, and you start to beat it around. And sometimes life beats us you know, to a pulp, just like that you know, some, you know, sometimes. And then other times, um, life can get heated up. If you take that same cake in order to make it rise, you gotta put it in the oven and put a little, add a little heat to it. And sometimes life adds heat to us, and only thing that it does is causes us to rise. So you may have the broken eggs, you beat up flour and all that stuff, you put in the oven of life, heat is put up under you, and you just kind of rise to the occasion. And that's pretty much the way my life has been. So I just look at everything as baking a cake, and I wonder what it's gonna turn out, you know, wonder what it's gonna turn out to be. And so far, so good.
0: I love that. You just mentioned something that reminded me of a song by Smokey Norfolk where he, where he says, I've had so many ups and a far outweighs my downs. And that's mm-hmm. always been a lie for me because you can always look at the good side, and the bad side, and you could pity yourself. You could, you know, swim in your misery or you can look at your whole entire life and say, you know what? Things are going to happen, but I got to live for the good and just continue to, mm-hmm. to strive as much as I can.
1: You know, and I think that that brings us to a, to a great point, too, because it talks about mindset and perspectives, because that's pretty much what life is all about. Life is about perspective, not really what happens to you, but how you see things, you know, how you see the things that happen uh, to you. We're always going through that, through the old cliche about is the glass half full, or is the glass half empty? And um, it, we, we talk about the idea that if you say the glass is half empty, that you know, you're a pessimist if you the glass is full, half full, you're an optimist. And it's really talking about a mindset, whereas if you see a glass as half full, your mind starts to say things like, man, I got to get some more water lately, or I'm almost out of water. In other words, the mind just takes that thought and it perpetuates it. Mm -hmm. If you say the glass is half full, your mind will say something different. Like I got enough water to last me or I don't need any more water right now. You Mm -hmm. see how the mindset starts to change and you start to cultivate a certain, a certain way of thinking. The problem is we don't, we don't pay attention to that. We take the cliche as it is and we don't work out the details of the cliche to practice the idea of my mind is going in a certain direction. Let me, Practice sending my mind in that direction and keep that habit going, and then I'll turn into a perpetual optimist. But it takes a lot of what it takes a lot of practice to do it. So, a lot of us go into these down spirals because we've allowed our mind to go into these down spirals and we didn't catch it mm. and pull it back, you know, and pull it back up. And you right. have to, control it. if you don't control your mind, your mind will control you for sure. And absolutely,
0: I'm sorry, that. go ahead. I said it'll go in
1: all directions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right. And um, let, let's kind of stay on that topic there, but let's kind of move into masculinity. You have a company called Moving Men Forward. What is that about?
1: Uh, moving Men Forward is, is really uh, where, I, where I do um, private coaching. You know, I've been coaching men for over 40 years. Uh, actually, I got into coaching men even before I knew I was coaching men because I did it back in high school. And, you know, even junior high school, I was coaching men not knowing that that's what, you know, that's what I was doing. So I've coached men on a private basis, you know, for most of my life. And moving men forward is me really taking that public, taking uh, my men coaching, men's coaching program public. I used to teach this thing, and I still do. It's a part of the men's uh, moving men forward. It's called Six Dimensional uh, Lifestyle, where I teach men how to create a six-dimensional lifestyle or how to set goals and accomplish goals in six different dimensions of their lives, physical spiritual social mental financial and family and we go through setting goals in each one of your uh, each one of those areas because what happens is what happens is uh, a lot of times we set goals in certain areas of our lives and then other areas start to falter or it doesn't get enough attention so if you got something going on in six different areas there's always something popping so i may not be happy about my finances but i can find something happy in my family I can find something happy spiritually. I can always find something, you know, to be happy about. Also, you got to remember that goals are seasonal. You can plant certain certain vegetables and certain, they won't grow in certain seasons. Right. So there there are a lot of times where it may not be time for me to grow financially and I'm trying to push it and trying to make it grow and it's not really growing and not really anything, you know, there's not anything happening. That may be a time for me to grow socially. Maybe I should go out and meet some new people who can attribute to my finances when it's time for me to plant those financial seeds. So we have to know the season that we're in. And moving men forward is just about that. It's a very simple concept. And it's about moving men forward. If you're stuck in any area of your life, we just help to get, you know, get, give you that little push, give you a different perspective you know, on life, give you a different perspective on your goals. And in every area of your life, we try to give you a different, uh, different perspective. Another thing we teach in that is what we call self-observation. Uh, self-observation has been taught you know, for many, many years uh, by a guy called uh, Gurchieff. He taught about self-observation and it's about just stepping outside of yourself, taking a look at yourself and seeing what you're doing and what, you know, what's happening in your life. A lot of times when things happen in our lives, we take on that thing, but self observation means that we don't take on that thing. We step outside of that step outside of ourselves and let that thing be itself. In other words, if I don't have any money, I'm not broke. There's just no money in my bank account right now. So if I can step outside of myself, I can look and see what I need to do to get money back in my bank account. Mm, And that's what self-observation. And and we we, we teach that really, really heavy into self-observation because we don't observe ourselves and we don't, I think Michael Jackson said it, you got to start with the man in the mirror. And that's what self-observation is all about. It's about starting with the man in the mirror, not just looking at him, but Michael said this and asking him to change his ways, Mm. ask him to change his ways. And that's something that we don't do now pre-michael jackson when it comes to uh self-observation the man in the mirror pre-observation i mean pre-michael jackson was jesus christ remember again the lady with the uh, that was called in the act of adultery yes she walked around with her skirt up and doing this and doing that and by law she was supposed to be stoned there was a mob out there getting ready to stone her but mm-hmm. jesus intervened and he said this he says he was without sin cast the first stone in other words Start with the man in the mirror. Each one of you, take your rock, put it up to your face, imagine it's a mirror and look at yourself and tell me one of you who is not this lady. Mm. And the Bible says that everybody from the youngest to the oldest dropped their stones and walked away because they started with the man in the mirror.
2: Mm.
1: Told the lady, he says, you know what? You should have gotten stoned today, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this as a lesson that other people saw who you were. Now you know who you are. Go and sin no more. Because the next time I may not be there and you might actually get stoned.
0: Right. Right. Wow. Absolutely. Um, That's a great analogy and and great uh, story to, um, to, to bring that point out. You were talking about early about mindset and now you're talking about reflection and you work with men. You've been doing this for a long time. Now you have your company. Where is the mindset of men? What's going on with men? There's a lot of pressure as a man, obviously. Um, You know, I could speak for myself in terms of, you know, there's pressures that we face as men. And there's a lot of men who are stuck in their circumstances. They have this feeling of um, being a real man. What is a real man supposed to do? What's a real man's responsibilities? And I find that many men, and even young men coming up, are trying to follow these these rules of life, and they're getting lost in their circumstances. They are scared of vulnerability. They're scared of, of a number of things. What's going on with men as a whole? What can you say to that?
1: You know, I, I, I believe that uh, a couple a couple of things, and I, I'm gonna go over a couple things about about it. Um, men, first of all, we're in a mess, M-E-S-S. We're, we're underdeveloped. I call, ourselves, I call us an underdeveloped mess. Mess, okay. mess is that we're underdeveloped mentally, We're we're underdeveloped emotionally, we're underdeveloped socially, and we're underdeveloped spiritually. So there's Mm. nothing wrong with man. It's just that we're underdeveloped. We have not allowed evolution, mental evolution, to continue its process. Mm. And that's because of things. That's because of the outer, the things that we see on the outer side. You see, when I see something on the outside that I like and I become very attractive to it, it takes up a lot of my time and I don't evolve past that. So what it does is it hampers my evolution in that. Mm. I can look at that thing so much and become so consumed about that thing that I begin to worship it. Whether it's a car, whether it's a woman, whether it's a house, whether it's kids, whether it's a situation. So what men has become, we become worshipers of our own designs and our own devices.
2: Mm.
1: And because of that, we're not not going through the evolutionary process that we should. The second thing, not only is man an underdeveloped mess, another thing that's keeping us men uh, where we are right now is expectations. Three sources of expectations. Mainly unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves, unrealistic expectations that we put on others, and unrealistic expectations that others put on us. So we as men spend most of our time trying to live up to unrealistic expectations. Where do these come from, these expectations? Outside, they come from outside. Things that we see, things that we hear, things that we want. It pretty much comes from our desire. Okay, let's do it this way. It really comes from our ego.
2: Mm,
0: Because
1: the ego always wants to push you forward. and always wants you to think that you deserve or that you need more than you actually have. You see, your ego can say, you know, I need to make seven figures, but your expenses may be $5,000 a month. Yeah. But your ego will say, you know, I need seven figures. That's why you see a lot of things on, 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 uh, on Facebook, Instagram. A lot of people put their ass out, five ways to make a six-figure this or six ways to make a seven-figure that. Or, I can take you for six figures to seven figures because it's unrealistic expectations for most of us because if you think about it, most of us don't live with that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Because it's actually not necessary, but somebody is creating some unrealistic expectations for you to do it. And if you go down to the bottom, they'll say, well, not all of our students achieve this kind of, you know, <laughs> this kind of, uh, uh, uh these kind of results and your results may vary and we're not responsible for the results you get and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because it's unrealistic what? It's unrealistic expectation. So we have this society or society today with the internet and social media and all that stuff is that. We put ourselves up on such a, this, this big pedestal about where, in other words, we've raised the goal so high. That nobody nobody can reach it or you just I don't know who you have to be in order to reach it now There are those of us who you know, make six figures make six, you know, seven figures, you know, that's fine But then I saw a guy on the other day say, you know, if you have a seven figure business I can help you take it to eight figures or to, you know, to the next
0: figure. so, so where does it end
1: right <laughs> exactly? So the ego continues to do what it continues to stretch us out and you really have to take Control of your ego. The ego is kind of like a balloon if you got a balloon and what we do is people just inflate our egos. That's is, is what we do. So we walk around, you know, with these big, you know, egos with unrealistic, you know, expectations from ourselves, from other people, and other people's expectations of ourselves. And we just can't, we, we just can't reach them. So we start to feel what? We start to feel depressed. We start to feel, feel, feel uh, anxiety. All of these diseases and all these symptoms, they're really results. When you talk about anxiety, depression, and stuff like that, they're kind of like results of things that have happened. Something has something has triggered the you know these things. We're trying to we're trying to figure out how to how to handle it, how to handle depression and stuff like that. Depression isn't something that you want to handle. Even anxiety, it's the triggers that you want to handle. Right. Because think about it, and we're going to get into the real man. And we'll segue into it. If you think about it, when the, I was talking to a guy today, actually, a coaching client of mine, he said he ex- had experienced some anxiety. He says I am you know I am experiencing anxiety for the most part, and um. I said, were you, uh, were you experiencing it last week? He says, no. I said, what about week before last? He says, no. I said, what about last month? He said, no. I said, what about six months ago? He says, no. I said, what about a year ago? I said, well, you're not a guy who has anxiety. You don't suffer from anxiety. Because if you did, you'd have it more often than not. So what has to happen is we have to figure out what triggered it. It's kind of like the cherry blossoms in D.C., Yes, blossoms are not out all year. There's a certain time that the cherry blossoms come out. A lot of people start to get alert. You know, the allergies start to act up. And they start to take on the idea that all my allergies are there, so I'm just, just allergic to this. Allergic. But what happened three weeks ago before the cherry, bloom, uh, 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 cherry blossoms came out? In other words, that's the thing that triggered it. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing we need to stay away from. Right. The, from what, the same thing with anxiety and depression. There's certain things that the trick that triggers it, and we have to find out what triggers these things and go back and try to correct, fix, or disconnect from those triggers.
0: So you said disconnect. And I was thinking as men, again, I go back to social media and yeah. what we're surrounded by and the external Uh, Forces so to speak where you see the rap videos you see people wearing these clothes and driving these cars you see um, The the TV shows the videos the 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 movies all these Factors that it appears that your community is doing and here you are sitting back thinking okay I got to get my piece of the pie And so this is now pulling you into directions that you may not or may not necessarily Necessarily need to go or maybe you shouldn't be going to Mm -hmm. Uh, how do we as men and even as women, how do we cut out some of those factors to kind of get us back to the real self that we should be?
1: I, I can say, I, I can say that you have to know where to draw the line when it comes to these. You know, when it comes to these things, and know when people are feeding your, you know, feeding your ego because that's all pretty much it's doing. If somebody come on with a nice car or a nice house or a rap video or this or that and the other, then most of the stuff don't belong to them anyway. They're probably leasing it for a video or something, you know, something like that. Right. You have to know where to stop because your mind belongs to you. Remember, it'll go out of control if you don't control it. Yes. I think the, the apostle Paul said it. He says, I have to beat my body down daily or it'll get out of control. If you don't control what goes into your mind, I think that, I look at the mind like a hurricane. You 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 know where hurricane Hurricane has an eye, and then it has all these outer bands. Where, yeah. I, where I try to stay is I try to stay in the eye of the hurricane because that's where I am. That's where the most calmest place is in the eye of the hurricane. It's when you try to go out in those outer bands that cause the problem. The outer bands are the rap videos. The outer bands are the things that people want you to have. The rap, rap outer bands are the unrealistic expectation. That's where all that stuff is. But if you can stay within the center. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a hurricane, if you can stay the eye and keep the eye together, the hurricane. See, when you go out into the outer bands and you divide yourself, the eye weakens. And when the eye of a hurricane weakens, guess what happens to the hurricane? The entire hurricane just what? It just busts up. So a lot of busted up men because we are not focused on the things that really matter. The more focused or the tighter the eye of a hurricane is, the greater force that hurricane can, do or can generate. So I leave all... Everybody, everybody's opinions, everybody's attitudes for me, about me, guess where I leave them? I leave them in the outer bands. Mm. And I circulate around them where? In the middle, because I have to keep I, this eye, I, I have to keep tighter. I can't say, oh, I will have a Bentley one day, or I will do this one day. Or That's their thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what they do. What is it that I need for myself to keep myself, to keep my household, to keep my mentality? What is it that I need to keep myself going? So what, and, hap- go on, keep sure. on. so what happens is we let all these things, all these things that's in our outer bands, in our winds, we let those things control our direction in life. So we just go through wreaking havoc.
0: And you do this with self-control.
1: Yes, sir. You do this with self-control. And actually you do this with self-observation because self-observation allows you to control yourself. Remember when Jesus told the guys, you know, everybody who's without sin, you know, drop your stones for, you know, for the most part. So they had to observe themselves. That's what he said. He said, he who is out sin, cast the first stone. So they had to observe themselves. They had to look at themselves. And when they saw themselves, that's what caused them to drop. They didn't just drop the stones. They only dropped the stones when they took inventory of themselves, is what he was asking them to do, to do a self-evaluation. That's why the Bible says, judge yourself, least you be judged. Mm. If you judge yourself first, then people on the outside won't have to judge you. Right. Self-observation is about looking at yourself, looking at your thoughts, before you even commit an act, looking at what you say before you even say it. You know, when you talk about uh, 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 saying saying things, if I want to send a signal from here to Africa, that signal can't go straight to Africa. If I want to send a TV signal, it just can't go straight to Africa. It goes up to a satellite in the sky. That satellite filters that signal and then sends it down to Africa. I have to wonder who in my life filters my signals before I send them out there.
2: Mm. Who's
1: your satellite in the sky? Who is your top? Who is the highest? Right. So has to be the word of God it has to be like the highest. So I send those signals up, you know, as a, as a word of God, and then they come back down to you. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus said, I can only say what I hear my father say. In other words, he sends a signal up and the signal comes back down, and then he say what he's going to say. He mm-hmm. says, I can only do what I, you know, what I see my father do. He sends a signal up and he can only see what he sees, you know, what, who you sending your signals to. Mm. When I see men doing what they do today, it lets me know that there's no filters. There are no filters. Mm. That's why you see all what you see because there are no filters. There are no filters anymore. Right. Nobody is filtering what we say. Nobody is filtering what we show. Nobody is filtering what we see. There's no. There are no filters.
0: No filters. Zero. And even even on the opposite end as well, when the messages are coming to us, what is the filters that we are using to allow? what messages come to us. So again, we can be inundated. You're scrolling through social media and you're inundated with everything, but we have to take a responsibility yeah. to choose who we're going to follow, what we're going to see, what we're going to watch, what you're going to fill your mind with yeah. because everything you filled your mind with, I believe you leave a piece of it in your mind. Right, mm-hmm. And so it's going to have some type of influence on you one way or the other and mm-hmm. I continue to say a line uh, within these podcasts that if you want to be a millionaire you got to hang out with millionaires right because mm-hmm. whatever you're surrounding yourself with is what you're going to become and when you're scrolling through some of the social media uh, that's out there and it's so much negativity uh-huh. you've got to make a decision you, you, you might got some you might have some good friends um, but because they keep posting garbage time just to delete them that, you know, no love loss. you know, we still hang out and go have a burger. But when it's all said and done, I can't be watching your social media because it's bringing too much negativity to me in my life. Right. And and I, and and I agree
1: with you on that, too. We do take on too many other people's garbage and too many other, you know, too many other people's trash is what it is. You can't let this trash and this garbage. You you ever go to um, a big grocery store or even a Seven Eleven or something, they have those big green garbage cans out back. You know, in the yes. back, a lot of them are starting to put the lock on there so that you won't come by and dump your trash. We need yes. to put a lock on our mind so that people won't come by and dump our trash. The mm-hmm. problem is that our dumpsters are so full of other people's trash until we can't really see what, you know, what we got, what we need to throw away. Because it's overflowing. You see trash like everywhere. They got it on. The side. People come by and drop trash on the side of your dumpster now because you're so full. I say this. I say put a lock on your dumpster. So that people won't come by and do what. So people won't come by and dump their and dump their trash. Even on social media, same thing. I got a lock on my mind. I got a filter on my mind. So when I'm strolling through, I'm just you know, I may just be strolling through. Then you got to control it. You can't stroll through for hours and hours and hours. Just give yourself. You know what? I'm gonna do social media. If I do it, I'm gonna do it for you know, ten or fifteen minutes, and then I, that's it. Then I'm gonna go and do. If you got two hours to scroll on social media, you need a life. You need to get yourself a hobby. Is what you can, you need to take a knitting. <laughs> Was sewing, or underwater basket weaving, or fishing in an aquarium by hand. <laughs>
0: you need to Go take, collect some bottle caps or something.
1: Yeah, you need to collect some bottle caps and stuff like that. But if you're collecting other people's opinions, and we do that so often, we, you know, we, I call them picking up opinions, putting, it, putting them in our pockets. People got a whole big pocket. I'm like, man, what's that in your pocket? It's like other people's opinions. Got them in the back pocket, the front pocket, got them in the coat pocket. I'm like, man, you like loaded. You got like all, all other people's opinions. When you pick up so many opinions from other people, guess what? You start not to have an opinion of your own. Right. Because the only opinion you have is what is other people's opinion. Everything you've been influenced with. Everything you've been influenced with. And the influence is just so, you know, it's just so high. So I think that the answer to man's dilemma and finding out who he is is self-observation. Is every man seeing himself for who he is? Mm. Every man seeing himself who is. There's a problem with that is there's no manual to tell us how to do that. You know, you have a car and something happens to the car. We can open up the glove box box and we can look at the manual and find out what, you know, what, if a light comes on or something like that. In a man's life, when a light comes on, there's no manual to tell us. There's no index to go through, to finger through, to say, you know what, this is what I need to do, you know, to do it. Because we don't, we don't have the manual.
0: And on top of that, we as men don't want to go out and ask for help either. So when that light does come on, we don't want to go out and start looking for help to say, how do I fix this problem?
1: hmm and, and that gets us to the point that we were talking about, being a
0: real man. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is your definition of being a real man?
1: Well, let me tell you what my definition is not. <laughs> it's not the one that we walk around with today, the one saying that we're a real man because you pay child support, a real man because you walk your children in the park, or he's a real man because he's got a job and anything like that. A real man, I, I think it's just a it's just cliches thing. There's no such thing as a, as a real man. You, you, you're just a man. That's it. You're just a man. Because we've gotten to this point where we're no longer being men. We're trying to be what we call a real man, what it is. If I take care of my family, that's what a man does. Mm-hmm. I got a job or got my own business or whatever, that's what a man is supposed to be. So what has happened is a real man has really become, I'm throwing it into the, to the pile of what we talked about the, uh, uh, earlier, about unrealistic expectations. Because trying to be a real man runs us into unrealistic expectations it's what other people think we should be. There are a lot of people that you and I see in the pu see out uh we see them on social media or whatever, and we think that they're a real man because they're doing this, this, and this. Then we find out that they got all kinds of stuff all messed up, you know, everywhere. And we've had them on as, as a real man, you know. And then we, we say the opposite. We say, oh, well, he's just a regular, you know, he's just a regular man. We say that when we do bad things. Oh, I'm just a man. Oh, he's just, you know, I'm just, a, you know, I'm just. But that's what, that's what you really are. A real man is a guy who is real with himself. Remember we talked about, again, Jesus telling the people, he who's without stone, you know, right. can, uh, he, without seeing, cast the first stone. That's a real man. It's the man who's able to look in the stone and see his face, and realize that he is not doing what he's supposed to be doing as a man. He realizes that, and he goes back to being a man.
0: So, okay. so he he looks at himself. He's able to self assess himself. And then he takes action on what needs to be done. He
1: takes action on what's need, what needs what needs to be done, and that takes him back to being a man, as opposed to being a real man. Because a real man is a man who, we, who who's a stand up guy. A real man puts on, you know. I can drive around in whatever, 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 with twenty four inch wheels or whatever, whatever I want, and you'll say, man, that's a real man. That's that's who you know. That, that, that's who I like. And that's a problem with us because even our kids they think that rappers are real men. You know, they think that the things that a lot of people sagging your pants, you think a real man sags, but that's not really what. That's not really a real man. There is a man inside of that real man beckoning to get out. There is a man inside of the real man beckoning to get out. And a real man is a guy who's willing to be real with himself. That goes back to what you said about being vulnerable, right? right. A real man will be vulnerable because guess what? When you're vulnerable, you show the, you show the real man. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, um, and, and I had a friend of mine once. He, I think he thought I was a real man until he started to read my story about the broken virginity and the brokenness, you know, that part of my story. When he, when he first heard that part of my story, he sent me a text message. And he said, man, he said, you know what? I loved you as a person, you know, in the beginning. But now, after I found that out about you, I love you even more. Because what you've done is that you have showed the Clark Kent inside of the Superman I thought you were. Okay. I thought that was so awesome, you know, that, okay. that, he, would, that he would bring that out. He says, there is a Clark Kent. So what I want to say to people is this is the man is the Clark Kent. Now the real man to us may be the Superman. Mm. So
2: that's
1: the real man because he go out and do things and he rescue people and fly through and jump over train jump over, you know, tall buildings and stuff like that and stop uh top these bullets. That's a real man.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: the real man is just that. The man inside of Superman is Clark Kent. You know, Lois Lane is not in love with Superman.
0: She's in love with Clark Kent.
1: She's in love with Clark Kent because that's the real man. <laughs> You know why? Because Lois Lane never wants to set up unrealistic expectations of herself. She knows that she could never have Superman to herself. Mm. Yet in our eyes, he's the real man. Right, right. Lois knows better. Lois knows that the real man is not the man in that cape. The real man is the man who's on on the outside of that phone booth. That's the real man. The real man is the one who has that picture camera taking pictures. The real man is that journalist, Clark Kent. That's who she's after. Lois is a lot smarter than we thought she was. We just thought she was Lois Lane. But Lois knows a real man when she sees him. She knows that Superman is not the real deal. Mm-hmm.
0: He that, knows
1: that's... that man is Clark Kent.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm liking that. You know, as you're speaking, it reminds me of a story. I remember growing up, there's a friend of mine who was getting some real bad grades in school. And so his mom went off on him and he was like, you know, I can't believe my mom's going off on me. At least I'm not out there going out there and having babies. At least I'm not out there stealing and robbing. And I was thinking you want to be celebrated because you're not out there having babies. Like you're not stealing and robbing. Like that should be the norm. You know what I'm saying? Like I know obviously in that situation, he's trying to find a way out from his bad grades. But my Mm -hmm. point is, is that people want to be celebrated for certain things that, We should be, as men, we should be doing already. Like, we should be taking care of our kids. We should be, if we're not with the mother, we should be paying child support. Like, these are not things that, as you said, defines us being a real man. A real man pays pays child support. A regular man who is supposed to do his duties as a man pays his child support, takes care of his wife, takes care of his children, goes out there and makes an honest living and tries to change the world in many positive ways.
1: And you, you, are, you are exactly right. I, I agree 100%. Even talking about child support, I think that we as men, we get, we, we get that kind of misconstrued sometimes. We say that we pay child support. You really don't. Because if you give the child support, then the state won't have to make you pay it. Now, mm-hmm. I have to put some of that toward women, too, because sometimes women file for it because that's just their mentality. Why? They file for it because they figure you're not going to pay it because a real man. Eventually, the one, the real man that you think you are, eventually is not going to pay. He may start out paying a few, you know, a few months, but after that, he's not. So what she does to protect herself is she put the man on the real man, the government. She put the man on the real man because the man can't find himself inside of the real man. What happens is we get lost trying to be a real man. We really lose. I think that that's where masculinity is lost. Masculinity is lost trying to become a real man. And we've set that out there for, for people. I have a twenty-one-year-old, you know, uh, son too. And we set that out, you know, this real man. And that's nothing. That that's that's nothing to go for. Just be a man. Just, mm-hmm. just be a man. Be the Clark Kent in your life. Don't worry
0: about being Superman. Just be the Clark Kent. Be the Clark Kent. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I'm loving him. that. I'm loving that. So speaking on that again, as men and the whole vulnerability thing and, and men just not being the open type of creatures that we should be maybe that, you know, as, as women can be. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about your story in terms of things you went through. I know you have gone through a divorce. You mm-hmm. have, uh, you talked about the age of six, losing your virginity. These mm-hmm. are things that as men, uh, a lot of men out there have gone through some of these circumstances, but they're not able to speak about it. They're not able to get through it. And these are some of the things that are holding us back as men. How can someone who's gone through some type of issue in their life, how can they actually get through and actually continue to use um, what they have to, to just continue to move forward and, or even use their story to help them along their journey?
1: I think one of the things come from, uh, from you redesigning your story or reframing, you know, or reframing your story. Um, you know, even what I went through, you know, at age six, you know, having my virginity broken by, you know, by actually a family member who had just happened to be a male for the most part that affected me throughout my life. It it has reflected every relationship throughout my life because I didn't know what was going on. I had sexual identity crisis for, oh, Oh my God, all my life. I've had sexual identity crisis because, you know, because of what happened. It just, it, it just a couple of years ago that I started to own my own truth about it and started to reframe my story that I was telling myself about it As opposed to the story that I needed to be te- you know, needed to be telling myself about it So I had to go from victim to victor, you know In that I even caught up with or found the person who did it and had to make a phone call I had to make a phone call and this just happened like last year I just wow. called the person who actually did this to me to let him know that I was okay And wow. that he was okay with me
0: Wow, this that just, you were okay, and that they were okay with you. That
1: he was okay, and that I'm okay with him.
0: Why is that important?
1: That is very important because it lets it, it let me. It, it took a big stone off my back for the you know for the most part something that I've been carrying around that he didn't really have to carry around. It's something that I had to carry around. So that's important to me because I had to I had to let that story go the way I was telling it to myself. And that's the only way I could have, you know, been saved from it. That salvation was, was, salvation comes in forgiveness. It's pretty much, if I wanted to, salvation is, is, is saving something for the most part. If I wanted to save myself and save my relationship, even with that person, for the most part, I had to forgive. Sure. And a lot of people don't want to, you know, don't want to. That's the thing about vulnerabilities. a lot of people don't want to see themselves. It goes back to picking up the rock or looking in the mirror. Vulnerability starts with looking in the mirror. I say vulnerability and transparency equals authentic. People say, you know, I want to be authentic about this. I want to be authentic about that. But authentic isn't something that you can just walk around and be or say that you're going to be authentic. Vulnerability plus transparency equals or results in being authentic. Being authentic is a result. It isn't a place that you can just walk up, wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to be authentic. Right. So vulnerability is raising your hand. Yes, it's me. Transparency is showing your hand. This is what happened. Mm. Authenticity is sharing your hand. Okay, okay. In other words, it's reaching that hand out to somebody else and say, yes, I've been through the same thing. It's Mm. sharing your hand. We never get past the raising our hand part. Right. If you never raise your hand and show your hand, you can never be authentic.
0: Mm. You know, you talk about being authentic and sharing. And right now, one of the biggest uh, movements is happening is a Me Too movement, hashtag Me Too. And there's a lot of people, uh, particularly women, who are talking Mm -hmm. about uh, situations they've been through in regards to sexual assault. And so when someone else is able to say Me Too, Mm -hmm. you no longer feel alone. Like I've been in situations where I feel like I'm the only person on this earth who's gone through that. And once you start speaking about your story and you hear someone Mm -hmm. say, I've been through that too, hashtag Me Too. Now you've realized that you are not the only person on this earth who's been through that. You have now a common ground, someone else that understands your plight, someone that understands the depression that you might have gone through, the the you know whatever situation you're going through. How important is it for us to share our story? Well, it's it's very
1: important for us to share share our story. Now the prob- one of the problems with that, and the reason a lot of us men, especially as older men in the position that we're in, is because there was no Me Too movement ten years ago. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was a taboo movement, where it's taboo to say some
0: of the things that, you know, that I'm saying. It's, it's taboo, and now it's Me Too. I, I would agree with that, but I would even say, even now the Me Too movement is mostly females.
1: It is. It, it, it is females, because it, it's going to be females. It, it, I don't know, it, it, but think about it. The Me Too movement is only a one-sided thing. It's only about sexual things. So it's not like a Me Too movement where I'm opening up my entire life to you. Right. So men have a lot of other things going on. We do have sexual inadequacies and sexual, you know, things going on, but there are other things going on in our lives too that this Me Too thing don't really cover because when, we, when I think of Me Too and when you think of women with Me Too, it's all about some, some sort of sexual, you know, some sort of sexual abuse. For a man, that's probably the last Me Too that he's going to join. There's Absolutely. some there's some other Me Too's that we got to get over with men that actually leads to, now I've had lots of men to tell me about that, that they went through some sexual abuse, but it wasn't right off the bat. I've worked with men for years before they actually told me that they, you know, they suffered from some of these things. Why? Because I have to break through some of the shells and some of the layers that's been laid over. These layers are laid in concrete. They're not like, this is not like soft
0: sand. This ain't, this I would <laughs> say titanium. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or what What did it happen on uh, uh, Wakanda, Boribian, what did, <laughs> vibranium absolutely yeah,
1: yeah they, yeah, they <laughs> got some hard they got some hard shells you know it reminds me of the old star trek you know he said um uh, uh mr mr sulu um you know uh, uh let's do maximum force maximum whatever he says the engines can't take that you know they're gonna break down captain you and that's what happened with the man when he starts to give his all and to give everything he starts to break down and there's no other man to catch him when he falls
0: so how do we get to the point Because you've been working with men for a while. How do we get to the point that we can get to our own version of Me Too? And when I say our own version, it doesn't have to be online. I'm just talking about men sharing, men being able to get to their most vulnerable place with each other so they can be broken down to be brought back up. How do we get to that point?
1: Okay, that's easy, but we have to reverse engineer it. You can't do it by getting men together and expecting men to share. A man has to share with himself, has to share himself with his chef, with himself before he shares to anybody else with anybody else. Love that. The yeah. problem is, is that we're not sharing our deepest, darkest secrets to ourselves. We are hiding from ourselves in ourselves. Right. You know, I, I hit a, a, a closet inside of a closet. I have a secret closet inside of my closet is what yeah. I have. I'll let that you in so my closet. True. There is a secret closet or a secret door or a trap door inside of my closet that no one has ever, ever, ever entered. It's got like Star Trek again. You have to take these guys. It started out, it says, it says, it says, uh, um, space, man's final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. That's us men whose five year mission, 10 year mission is to seek out new life and new civilization. Watch this. You have to boldly take a man where no man has ever gone before. Mm, let me into your secret closet. Watch this. It takes a level of trust that you and I have never, ever experienced before. It takes mm-hmm. a level of confidence that you and I have That's what I talked about in the, when we first started this about evolution. We have not evolved into that level of confidence within ourselves that allows us to open that trap door. It's not that I don't trust you. I don't trust me. I don't trust my secrets. It's not that I don't trust your secrets. I don't, it's not that I don't trust things in your closet. I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself letting this secret out because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how, how I'm going to respond. I don't know whether I'm going to get mad, whether I'm going to get angry, whether I'm going to get sad, whether I'm going to tear some stuff up. I don't know what I'm going to do. So it's not that I don't trust you with it. I don't trust me releasing it. So I have to teach men to trust themselves.
0: So first and foremost, I've never heard anybody preach with Star Trek. (laughs) First and foremost, I gotta say that. I love it. Secondly, where do we begin? Like, this sounds like I'm, I'm imagining a boulder and somewhere deep within this boulder. There's this marble that we're trying to get to. Bingo. And we're chipping. We're chipping. We're yeah. chipping away. A man who is not ready to speak about some of these things. How do we even, you know, where do we even go with that?
1: Right, here's the thing. Once you get to it, the man don't have to speak about it. It's going to come out on its own. That's the thing. We are prying men and trying to crowbar our way into it, but that's not how you get to it. You do, do what you say. You do chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away. When you get to the diamond, it'll expose itself.
2: Mm.
1: It'll, it'll, it'll expose itself. You don't, you don't have to. It's to chip it away. The only thing you have to do to the diamond is polish it, for the most part. You can cut it a little bit and polish it, but that's it. We're looking for something that's not there. If you're looking for a man to just open up, it ain't gonna happen. It's never gonna happen in a million years. I don't care. Me two, you two, three twos. I don't care what happened. <laughs> yeah, a man is. I'm a man. I've been a man for fifty six years, and guess what? He ain't opening up. He's like a, he's like a, a clam. You know, he's like a clam in a shell. He, you know, he. he the thing is, this, a clam will open when he wants to. You know, he open, and the pearl is what? The pearl's right there. it will expose itself. When the man is ready to open up, in other words, we have to trigger the right things that's gonna cause a man to open up. We have to trigger the right things that cause the clam to open up, and the pearl will show itself. We're after the pearl, we're trying to get into the clam, we're trying to break into it, it's not gonna happen, because the the, the more I try to break in, the tighter he's gonna get. And the more deeper he's gonna put that thing down, the more I try to break into it. Mm. We do have to chip away at it, but you have to know, you have to be a skilled craftsman. You know what? There's only a few diamond cutters in the world. It's true. Same thing. When I'm going after your diamonds, there's only a few of us in the world. Very true. That's why it hadn't been done because there's not many of us skilled enough to do it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I commend that the fact that you are doing it and you know, you're know you finding success in it because there's a lot of guys who do have a lot of baggage just buried deep, real deep inside. And a lot of them are suffering. And mm-hmm. when you see them act out, you see some of our children, I say mm-hmm. children, but you know some of the teens and in the 20s are out there, they're grabbing guns, they're selling drugs. Not even wanting to look to see if there's any other options. It's become a thing where, you know, at one point maybe there was no options, but now that there's other options, there's things that are growing out there, they rather right. just go to the negative. And because they come with baggage, some of these kids at very young ages come with bag- baggage.
1: I think that you said a good word here, a good word. You said options. I think that men, even kids, you know, boys, they draw to the options. They draw not to the options that, that 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 impresses them the most. If this rapper is out doing this or shooting or you know in a game, whatever it is, if, if that's what appeals to them, you know that's what they're going to be. That's what they're going to be drawn to. We just have to put some other things in in front of them. You know they can be drawn to. it, it is a tough job. I think it is the toughest toughest job trying to steer men because men have their own mind. And men of steerers. you know, we are steerers by nature. But to be a steerer of the steerer is a tough. I mean, it is the toughest thing that you ever, uh, you know. Women are easy because, you know, when I when I hit my girl. Talking to other women, you know, uh, on the phone. They said, "Girl, you know what? I felt this lump in my breast, and I don't know what it is." They're on Facebook or whatever live, like we're on. She hold it up, you know. So, can you? Say, girl, <laughs> can you it? And I'm like, that is so, that is so awesome that they can actually like just be that vulnerable with each other, and be that transparent with each other. You know, if I got a a, a, a knock on my knee, I ain't showing you like, I going to pull up my pants leg and say, you know what, man, look at this knot on my knee. What you think about that knot on my I don't have that knot on my knee to grow as big as an egg, grow as big as a you know, a grapefruit next week and you be around. I'm like, man, what's wrong with you? He's like, man, I got this big knot on my knee. I'm like, let me see, man, I ain't you see a knot on my knee. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And that's what happens with men is that again, when you ask them for stuff, they bury it even deeper. So you really gotta know how to, you know, really you really gotta know how to or how to do. It's a, it's a tough thing. Like I said, we're we're just underdeveloped, and that's why I call it moving men forward, because I move you one step at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, you know, trying to tell you what to do or trying to make you somebody. I'm trying to allow you to see you and allow you to self-correct, allow you to correct yourself. So you mm-hmm. could, here's, here's an example. Here's a man who, who is, his wife was complaining about he was a cheater. And even he said, you know, I'm a cheater. And she says there's nothing she can do about it. She can't stop him. And I told the lady, this was a real thing. I told the lady, I said, you know what? Him cheating has nothing to do with you. Zero. You said right cheating on you, but he's really not. He was a cheater before you guys got together. Mm. He was cheating in high school in, in class. He was cheating in elementary school. In other words, he's a bona fide cheater. He's certified, you know cheating <laughs> you know, so, so he's really not cheating on you, watch this. He's really cheating on himself. Because for a man to take something away from somebody else, he has to take it away from himself first. So mm. he's cheating himself out of an opportunity to be just a regular man. Mm. So he has to cheat himself before he cheats you. So when he comes to me and tell me that my husband is cheating, I say I'm not worried about it. Just like the lady who's caught an act of adultery. I'm not worried about that idea because I know that cheating is a result of something. Mm-hmm. Somewhere back there, a flip, a switch was flipped that caused him to cheat. And he has just been doing the habit and been cheating for all these years. And we just have to track it back all the way back and turn that switch off. Mm. Is what we have to do. There's some switches that you and I have that's way back in the closet, way back way in the Yeah, that's way back in the day that somebody pissed us off about something. Let's do this. Let's say that uh, you don't loan me in money. And you don't loan me in money because a good buddy of yours, 15 years ago, you loaned him $500. He never did pay you back. You ain't loaned nobody no money since. I got to go back and flip that switch. And this is what I got to say to you. I do want you to loan money, but I only want you to loan the amount that you are psychologically able to depart with. In other words, if I don't pay you back, you're okay. Mm. That could be $1. That could be $5. That could be $10. That could be $20. But you have to make sure that you're psychologically okay if I don't pay you that money back. Mm. And I do that and I make it a habit. I loan five and I'm okay. Nobody paid it back. I said, okay, I feel good. It didn't trigger anything. I'm not mad, I'm not angry, I'm not upset, I'm not furious. Then I may loan 10, the joker didn't
2: pay me back.
1: All right, I'm okay, I'm good with that. And once you get to your limit, once you get to that number where you know that you're gonna go off and you know not gonna be friends, not speak for 40 years, that's when you cut it off. That's your number. My number is $350. I'll loan a joker 350. And that's it, because that's only that's the, that's the total amount that I'm psychologically okay with losing, mm-hmm. and not flipping any switches.
0: Does that make my sense? Amount's, my amount's about two dollars and fifty cents. I'm just saying. I, I give you two fifty. <laughs> I give you two fifty. Bring back my change. Uh, but, but I agree with exactly what you're saying. And, and for people who might not be able to understand what I kind of related to is the money mindset. And this is something I've been really looking into and where you get your thoughts about money. And if you come up in a situation where you're in poverty and mom and dad just don't have the money, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to be hearing, you know, certain things. Oh, money doesn't grow on trees and, you know, Mm -hmm. we can't afford that. And so you grow up with this mindset about money. And so you limit yourselves in terms of how much you can make, how much you spend, how much you uh, put out, uh, even Mm -hmm. the way you manage money. And so this is ingrained in you from a child. And so you're talking about the same thing, but even just as a man, some of the things that's happened to you in your past are reflective of where you are now. So you're a grown man, you're in your forties, you're in your fifties or sixties, and you still don't know how to settle down, or you still don't know how to take care of your children or be there for, for as a friend or in a relationship because of something that's happened in the past, and you have to cultivate new habits. First of all, you have
1: to bring in new habits, and you have to cultivate new habits. I think that you and I have a phone. We have, we have a we have a you know we have a a, a smartphone. Every once in a while, that smartphone would send a message to me to say that there's you know something I need to update my internal operating system. Yes, men do not update their internal operating system enough. Now watch this. If you do not update it, some of the apps that you have on, some of the thoughts that you think are not going to work. Some are going to work slower. Some are not going to you know, do anything at all. But we men, we don't evolve because we don't update our internal operating system. So there's some thoughts and some habits and some rituals that we've been going through. They don't work the way they used to. They may work slower. They may be antiquated. They may be outdated. All that comes with what? All that comes with self-reflection and self-observation, seeing what I need to update. You and I may go buy a house and we may, be, we may look at the house and we may say, you know, we need to do a lot of repairs to the house and this and that. And the other, but in the end, the house is going to be worth a lot more than you know than we paid for it. But we get to the house and we find out that the electrical, we got to redo the entire electrical stuff. We gotta do all the you know the plumbing stuff. Sometimes when I look at men, I have to do the whole electrical thing. We have to come in and do two That's it. We gotta rewire some of the thoughts and some of the things that you've been doing. We gotta re it because some of the trash is not going down. It's not flushing. It's coming back up. Whatever whenever we flush it, it just comes from, back up. We gotta do it. We have to do we gotta drain oil or a call rotorudo. We gotta stick that, that snake thing down there. Right. You know, run around a little bit until we clear, you know, until we clear some things up. So a lot of men are dealing with clarity issues. We don't know where we want to go or what we you know what we want to do or who we want to do it with we we have no clue what we're you know what we're doing men are just kind of like out, in, out i call them orphans we're just orphans we're just out in space we're just kind of just space cadets we're just we're just out here just you know, and we're afraid. A lot of men are afraid. They're afraid that they're becoming uh, obsolete because women are doing a lot of things that we used to, you know, we used to do for the most part. They're becoming uh, we're becoming obsolete. And guess what? When something becomes obsolete, it really doesn't know what to do with it, itself. So it starts to pervert itself. It starts to do things with itself that it wasn't originally made to do. Mm,
0: wow. You know, I, I know we, I feel like we're just scraping. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Like there's, there's so much we can get into and um, I'm definitely going to have you on sooner than later so we can continue this conversation right, on this podcast. Because, yeah, we really just are scraping the surface about men and masculinity and, you, you know, just just the benefits of us being who we are supposed to be.
1: Yeah. As opposed to who somebody else think we should be or the world think we should be. Absolutely. And we, we got to create that manual about, you know, what happens when, the, when, when our check engine light comes on or what happens when our maintenance required light come on, how to fix that and how to allow others to fix that as well. We'll, talk, we'll talk about next time accountability, believability and credibility, you know, all those things, because all those things are very important. And nobody is saying that to us anymore. People are trying to sell us stuff. People are trying to sell us, uh, you know, some goods or people are trying to sell us this and sell us that. Nobody has given us practical ways of using this information or practical ways of being a man. Mm. It's all theory. It's all just information. You know, it's all it is. All we're doing is unpacking information. But two things happen. When I talk to you, either I'm gonna unpack information or I'm gonna impact you with information. Mm. And I'm out to impact you with information, more so than to unpack. And most people are just unpacking information. I have no clue what they're talking about. You can't it's not usable. It's not anything that you can use you know, in your everyday, uh, you know, in your everyday life. And we need that. Men need that right now. We need more practical outlets. We need more places that we can go. That's why men aren't in the church because there's not anything practical because the preacher's really talking to women. He's really not talking to men and men are workers. I need to, I need men are like ABC, you know, tell me what to do. Pastor I'll go out and do it and I'll bring you a report back on next Sunday. Right. But next time you come, you are telling me about something different, you know, I don't even get a chance to, you know, to, to to be happy about what happened the week before, about what you taught about, because you didn't give me that opportunity, because you're so much trying to, trying to, uh, trying to push your agenda and what it is you want us to know. But that may not be what we as men need to know. So the church is really not teaching. Some churches are. I'm not saying all churches. Some churches are not teaching really what men need to know. They're just giving us information, and we're eating it up. You know, we're just and we're saying cliche stuff going around, and we're just not doing the work. I mean, it requires a work. It's, it's, that's why Jesus always said again, there has to be a renewing of the mind. And to renew your mind, trust me, Jay, renewing of your mind takes a lot of work to do. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, you have to rewire yourself, man, and and, and, and redo some habits, get rid of some ant you gotta know what to throw away, what scrap metal, uh scrap metal. You just gotta know you can you just gotta know. It's almost like the gambler. You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run, know when to walk away. We don't know that because nobody's talking about that. You got other people. <sighs> And it comes in wave. You, you see like a Jesse Jackson or Louis Farrakhan. These used to be our, you know, our idols and stuff. But guess what? Because their message was a part of the civil rights message and it's not going on anymore. They can't really say, we don't have any, we don't have any real leaders. Especially us as black men. We, we have no, there's no real, we have no real leadership. Nobody's saying something that's actually moving us as a whole. Mm.
2: There's
1: not one man that you can name that can come on TV or come on radio and say something. And the majority of us listen to. Wow. Nobody. Think about it. You think you tell me who?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's you're nobody. Right.
1: There's zero person who could you know, you're right. you know who, you're who, could, right. who could do. So we're 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 even more wanderers than white people. We're really wanderers for the most part. And it it's it, it shows in our neighborhood it's neighborhoods, it shows in our schools, it shows on our street corners, it shows in our community, it shows in our neighborhood. All it is is lack of applicable practical leadership. It's all the showing. Mm. Because with a man, if you give him practical things to do, he'll do it. If you give him a house to build and give him, you know, give him some some tools, he'll do it. Even if he do it wrong, you know, if he, if he don't read the directions, he'll go out and try to build. If we don't have it. There's nothing to build. What What are we building? Mm. I heard Kenyan West say when he was going through his little stuff, whatever, you know, the last time I heard him say that he bought 300, 300 acres or three thousand acres or something. He's going to build three houses. I'm like, dude, you got three thousand acres and all you're going to build is three houses. <laughs> White people, they'll take like 10 acres and build like an entire building for a bunch of other white people, build a Harris Teeter, you know, a Kroger or, or you know, a store under the bottom, build a Rite Aid on the other side, build a McDonald's, you know, they build a whole, they, they just build a community. You, you just walk around the corner and all of a sudden there's a whole community. Right. Now they got a school, they got a bunch of stuff. Three thousand, right. come on dude, and you got like, a, and then you tell me about you got this billion dollar business and all this stuff and you, I know you don't owe anybody anything, but don't come on telling us that you're out for us and you're looking out for black people. And you got three thousand acres or three hundred acres to at three houses. How much of these houses is going to be worth, and who can afford it?
0: Wow, <laughs> I, I just I just found about thirteen or fourteen new episode topics just in the last three minutes of what you just said. <laughs> it, you just did.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't make doesn't make sense to me, and that's what's wrong with our men is that our mm-hmm. ego has taken us. We're in flight, you know. We're in this flight like this big balloon. You know how you put air into the balloon, and high, the more air you put, the higher it rises. That's the way our egos are. Come on, guys, give me a break. Break me off a of piece of that Kit Kat bar. It's not. It's just not. You know, it's just not that. It's, it's it's not that deep. It's it's a lot simpler than we made it. We made it complicated, and we call it individuality. Where we want to be ourselves, we want to be this one. Well, come on, dude. You are nothing by yourself. Mm. nothing but a big overinflated ego by yourself that's it
0: doctor man I thank you so much for being on this episode we are definitely going to continue this and break down a lot of the things that you just talked about just branch them off into other topics and other episodes the last thing I want to do first and foremost I want to thank you for being here you're definitely appreciated what you're doing for the community for men it is so appreciated thank you so much For the man who's listening right now, who knows that he's been lost, he's been hearing this real man thing for a while, and he's ready just to recommit to himself and to his family and to his kids and to community. Talk to that guy right now. I'm gonna give you about a minute. Talk to that guy who's listening right now, who's looking to change his life for the better and just be the man he is meant to be.
1: I think. Thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you for having me on. You know, as 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 uh, as well. I appreciate you. I appreciate the opportunity and the platform that you're laying out, and I appreciate the work that you're doing as well. Um, for the man who is actually ready to do something, uh, to do something for himself, and ready to transform uh, into someone new who is sincerely seeking self change, I say learn about self observation. Take a time to take time to inventory your seeds and not your needs. Inventory the things on the inside of you that are prone to grow as opposed to the things that are outside of you that has no potential for growth. So self-observation, self-change, self-evolution, I admonish you to dig into that. Dig into you. There's no time limits, you're on nobody else's clock, you know, about when you do, what you do, but take time to look at yourself listen again get the old cd michael jackson go on itunes start with the man in the mirror everything that happens in your
0: life starts with you fabulous the good doctor told y'all y'all need to listen and i'll see y'all at the top of the next episode peace